Good morning to each of you this morning. Uh, it's good to be back and uh, to share with you today. And uh, a couple weeks ago, we were looking in Exodus, the 20th chapter, uh, at the uh, Ten Commandments. And this morning, I want to draw one of those out and focus on it a little bit. As we live life day by day, we are faced with multiple choices, decisions. Some of those are fairly simple and easy to make in life. Um, what will I wear today? Um, you know, what uh, places will I go today? Uh, what will I eat today? Well, maybe sometimes that's not so simple. You know, everybody struggles on, you know, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What do you want to have? Those types of things. And, but, but other things are more complex, other things are more difficult. We, what career will I have? Where will I work? Where will I live? Who will I marry? How will I parent my children? The list goes on and on and on. And more difficult because they are more life-changing than the other decisions or choices that we make. And when we face these difficult decisions or choices in life, we seek wisdom. Or help, something that can help us make that choice or, or make that decision in life. And the problem that we find in our world is, is that too often the wisdom or the advice of the world is uh, in direct contradiction with the wisdom or the advice of God and His Word. And they are on a collision course with one another. And God gives us instruction, and God gives us wisdom and insight, and He says, this is how things should be done. This is the way you should go. This is the direction you should take. And the world says, contrary to that, oh, no, 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 you'll never succeed if you do that. You'll never be happy if you do that. Here's what you have to do. And so we see this conflict that is taking place, and what we have to do as believers is that we have to learn to rely on the wisdom and the truth and the instruction of God's Word for direction in the choices that we make in life. I'm reminded of a little story that's told of the Sunday school teacher, and she was discussing the Ten Commandments and with her class of six- and seven-year-old children. And she had been talking about the commandment that says we are to honor our father and our mother. And she had talked about it quite extensively. And then she turned and she asked this question. Is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Great question. Little boy without missing a beat said, absolutely there is. He said, thou shalt not kill. So, <laughs> brothers and sisters sometimes don't always get along. But there is a positive and a negative message in each and all of the Ten Commandments. And this morning, I want us to take just a few moments and understand that the Ten Commandments are not just a list of don'ts. It says, thou shall not. And so we hear that and we automatically think about, well, this is just a list of a bunch of things we're not supposed to do. But the flip side of that is, with everything that we are not supposed to do, there are do's, things that we should do in our life. And this morning, as we talk about the sixth commandment, 
which is, thou shalt not kill. There is a not. You should not do this. But there is also the positive side, which is the, the what we should do in life. And so I want us to look at that for a few moments this morning. The first is this, is that God proclaims the sanctity of human life. The idea of thou shalt not kill carries with it on the other side of the coin of the value or the sanctity of life. That not just should we not take life, but that we should regard life and we should hold life in honor in our lives. In the late Pope John Paul, in its uh, 2000 Christmas message, he warned us of a culture of death. He says this culture of death is threatening the world. I look around in our world today and I see the violence that is happening and and the, uh, the things that are taking places around our world and, and in our country. And, and it seems that he is correct that there is this culture of death, this culture of evil, and, uh, and the things that develop from that, and, and the devastation that happens in relationship to that. And, and we see this culture of death everywhere in daily life. We see it in movies. We see it in television. We see it in video games. That there, there's this idea that we can just take life, and and it's part of a game, or it's part of fun, or it's it, it's something that that is taken very lightly. And in regards to that, we begin to develop this attitude or this idea that uh, that life is is light, that life is is not important, it's not valued or or there's no sanctity to human life. God speaks to our culture of death in this simple commandment. And He is saying that murder is wrong because human life is sacred. Why is human life so sacred in contrast to any other form of life that exists in the world? And it's because of this, in Genesis chapter 9, it tells us, that we are created in God's image. And because we are a creation in His image, then the human life is, is sanctified. The human life is valued. The human life has purpose and hope. And so this culture of death on the other side of the coin is because we have forsaken the biblical teaching that man is made in God's image. We have embraced the idea of all kinds of different answers or theories to where life has come from. And our world has strongly began to embrace these other thoughts and ideas. And in regards to that, if we look at life from that perspective that we are not created by God and we are not created in God's image, then life has no value. Then life has no purpose. It is simply a, a result of the transition of things in this world or the happening of things in life. And there, there's not a purpose. And when we begin to embrace that line of thinking, when we begin to embrace those thoughts and those ideas, suddenly life has no value. Life becomes unimportant because it is just a random thing that has happened. The founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, 
said this. Listen to this quote. The traditional view of the sanctity of human life will collapse under pressure from scientific, technological, and demographic developments. I think she's right. The idea of the sanctity of human life will collapse under the pressure from scientific, technological, and demographic developments. That we have begun to to reduce the value of life in our Western culture. That we have begun to uh, understand that that the, the vast majority of people do not value human life. And as believers, we must take a stand on the sanctity of human life. We must proclaim the message of human life and the value of human life and stand against this idea of these philosophies and these ideas that are being taught in our schools and our institutions of higher learning that they are taking a stand on these theories of how the world came into existence and how human beings came into existence. And we, when we have just evolved out of something minute from the past, then there is no value in life. There's no purpose to it. And so we have to take a stand against that. We have to be willing to stand on the truths of God's Word and say we are different than animals. We are different than any other thing that was created by God. And there is a sanctity of human life because we are created in the image of God. God also prohibits the murder of a human being. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. What is God forbidding here? Before we address what He's forbidding here, I want us to talk about what He is not forbidding here. What He is not saying in regards to thou shalt not murder. And the first thing is this, it is not forbidden to take life in war. That this is an act that is uh, not condemned in God's Word. A Christian soldier is not violating this commandment. Neither Jesus nor the writings of Paul in the New Testament Scripture ever condemned a soldier for taking life in a war, in a battle, in a conflict, where where there were were these fightings and, and so forth that were taking place. It is not addressing the taking of life in self-defense. It is not saying that it is wrong for us to defend ourselves. And if that defense goes to the point that we have to take another life, it's not telling us that that's a sin or that's a wrong in, in life. It is not addressing the taking of life when we move out of the military a little bit by a police officer or someone in authority who is enforcing the law. That, that is not saying that if they do that, that they, that is a sin or that is wrong. It does not forbid the killing of animals. In fact, in God's Word, it is very clear that that is an acceptable practice for a purpose. In Genesis chapter 9, verses 2 and 3, it says, The fear of you and the terror of you will be on every beast of the earth, on every bird of the sky, 
with everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea, and into your hand they are given. Every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. God's Word says all of these animal life things are accessible and provided to us for what? He said for food. Now, you know, there's a lot of debate and talk about, you know, hunting and, and fishing and those things for sport. But the fact of the matter is God's Word is very clear in regards to the need for food and provision for our life. And He says that there is sanctity of human life, but not of the animal life in regards to provision to sustain your life. And so He says, I have given these things to you for food. They shall be food for you to sustain and keep you in life. He is not forbidding capital punishment. There are no fewer than 18 crimes in God's Word that call for the death penalty. 18 things that are spelled out in God's Word that, that, that you can take life for in regards to that disobedience or, or that crime being committed. And so put to put a criminal to death is, is not considered murder according to God's Word, but rather is justice in relationship to the crime that was committed. And in fact, the Scripture says that, that this really is the role of the government, the responsibility that they have. Uh, if we read in Romans chapter 13, uh, the uh, a pastor from Philadelphia, Philip, Philip Riken, writes this, the Hebrew language has at least eight different words for killing. And the, the one used here has been chosen carefully. The word ratach, R-A-T-Z-A-C-H, is never used in the legal system or in the military. There are other Hebrew words for the execution of a death sentence or for the kind of killing that a soldier does in mortal combat. Nor is the word ratach, ever used for hunting or killing animals. So the King James Version, which says, Thou shalt not kill, is somewhat imprecise in the fact that what the commandment really forbids is that thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not take the life unlawfully killing a human being. And so when we look at this and we understand what God is communicating, the sanctity of human life, the value of human life, the purpose for human life, there are some things that he says, but there are times that taking life is not in disobedience to my word. That taking life is, is not in a contradiction to the commandments of God's word. So what is it he is forbidding here? It is the act of of murder or intentional murder. Uh, intentional murder is the malicious, unjust murder of a legally innocent life. Now, that definition is important. I want you to hear that because we're going to come back to that in just a moment. Intentional murder is the malicious, unjust murder of a legally innocent life. And in regards to that, there are many examples of intentional murder. And we, we can look through history and through life and understand that. 
But in relationship to that, we must understand that God has, has called us to value life. To understand the purpose of that and the importance of that. And as we look through and we go through life, there are all kinds of ideas and philosophies in relationship to that. But we need to return to the basics and understanding the truths of God's Word and realize the impact that it has in regards to our life and the lives of those around us. How, how we treat other people, how we value other people, how we put importance on their life. And the Scripture talks about that over and over and over again. It communicates to us about that valuing of life and how we treat other people. In fact, it moves to the point that, that it moves off of the idea of physical death and it relates to how we impact others' lives in how we treat them. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. Listen to what God's Word says here. This is so important. You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder. And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But, listen to these words, I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. So he says, now we have to move beyond this idea of just a physical of taking of life. And he says it now begins to impact us and we have to consider it. And he says, if we are angry, if we hold bitterness in our heart, if we are striking out against someone, maybe not to take their life, but to to damage them or to harm them in some way. So the idea of of trying to, to... to discredit someone's person and tell people how awful they are and, and those types of things. He says, listen, you are guilty. You, you are responsible in regards to that. This word raka that, that I just read there uh, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, it means literally this, worthless. So if we look at human life and we say human life is worthless... If we say it has no value, then he says to have that attitude about life and those that are around us makes us guilty in regards to the commandment of God's Word to value human life. So we see that he's taking it a step further in regards to it's not just the physical act. And we go, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Absolutely. Right? But, but here's the thing. How we treat people. How we look at people how we value people or place value on their life, that does have a lot to do with me. And it impacts and changes the world in which we live and how we treat the people around us when we understand that if we're harboring anger and hatred and bitterness in our hearts and in our lives, then we are having a negative impact on those people. And he says in regards to that, we have allowed our attitude begin to, to hold us guilty, to hold us hostage in regards to our relationship with other people. And so we need to think about where we are in regards to our relationship, not only with the Lord, but our relationship with others. Someone hurt me in the past. Someone has offended me in the past. 
someone has has caused pain and suffering in the past and I hold anger and bitterness and hatred in my heart. He says that that attitude is, is communicating an attitude that that life is not valuable. That life has no purpose because of what they've done to me. I am angry and I am bitter and I, I have hatred in my heart. And he says we are then guilty in regards to his commandment in relationship to the value of human life. And that's why we have to look at His commandments, not just from the negative, don't do this, but what is the positive? And the positive is that I have to value human life. All human life. No matter what age, no matter what race, no matter what background or or any of those things, I have to value all human life. And that speaks to other issues that we face in our world today. And we come to the point that, that we begin to, to think that people have no longer have value if they don't contribute to society. That they've reached a point that they're, they really they hold no value. They, have, they don't contribute to anything any longer. And so we've reached a point that in our society today we think it's okay to, to dismiss those people. Or maybe because they're so young, they've never contributed anything to society. And we begin to dismiss those people. And so God's Word says we have to have value for all human life. Peter writes and says on the day of Pentecost, rather, and it's recorded, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put him to death. Remember that definition? Taking of a legally innocent life. Jesus was legally innocent in every way. And yet his life was taken. But remember why. It was taken for you. It was taken for me. His life was taken in order to pay a price for our sins, for, for our commitments of disobedience in life. And so the price was paid with his life a legally innocent life taken in my place to pay my price, to set me free, to give me forgiveness, grace, and mercy in my life. It is our sin that put Jesus to death on the cross. It was our sin that He died for in this brutal and inhumane way. But thanks be to God, That it didn't end there. That he conquered that death. And Peter goes on and says this. Whom God raised up. Having loosed the pains of death. Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It's not possible that death could hold Jesus. It's not possible that even though he was put to death wrongly. Because he was a legally innocent life. That death could hold him, could contain him, 
could keep him. And so he raised him from the dead in order that you and I might have the hope of eternal life. And so the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ again reiterates this commandment all the way back in the the book of Exodus about not just taking of life, but valuing life, putting importance on life, loving life, and loving those that are around us and giving them the respect that they are due because they are created in the image of God. Not harboring bitterness or anger or hatred in our hearts. But allowing those things to be removed through the Spirit of God, by the forgiveness of God. And that as He forgives us, we forgive others. So that in turn, we're not harboring that and guilty of devaluing human life. And so this morning, as we begin to wrap up the idea of this message, really What I want us to see is to understand the importance as we live day by day in a world that is so filled, so filled with the the anger and the hatred toward other people. A world that is so filled with, with this culture of death all around us that as believers, we need to take a stand. We need to be positive. We need to be committed faithfully to valuing human life, setting example for others to value human life. And we need to treat others with that value of human life. And so this morning, maybe somewhere in your past, there's anger, so there's hurt, there's hatred for what someone has done for you. Maybe today you need to release that and let it go. Maybe today there's there's a decision in your heart, something that you're facing that you need to allow God to, to help you in His wisdom with that decision in regards to life and the life of those around you. I don't 